Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Mas, the official, your official source for the latest news on New Mexico United and a weekly sports discussion from sports from uh, all the events from around the sporting world. My name, of course, is Seth. Thank you guys so much for being here. Joining me tonight, as always, we have Jacob Terrell and Earl Nieto, and uh, we've got a lot to get to this week. But before we do, uh, like we do each and every episode, we have a burning question for uh, my co-hosts here. And I have to ask, what is the worst call you've ever seen in a sporting event? Oh, 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 give me a second. Let's see. I'm sure, I'm sure that there's another one, but the call that prompted this discussion or this question, I'm assuming, um, is the one that I am having the hardest time wrapping my head around right now because it it's not... It's not an opinion call. It's not a judgment call. It's not a call that wasn't reviewable. They reviewed it, still got it wrong. Um, It's pretty black and white. Did he touch home plate or did he not? Clearly, to everybody that I've talked to, he did not. And they still ruled him safe. Um, And that, to me, is just mind-boggling. So maybe recency bias, because I, I can't seem to get past that one, but... Of course, we're talking about the I'm talking about the Braves Phillies game from two nights ago now, I think it was Um, play at the plate. Uh, Philly got called safe, even though he never touches home plate. They review it still never touches home plate, but apparently they didn't see that enough. So they kept him as safe. And um, yeah, then the Internet broke down for a little while because of that. Earl, for you, I'm going to extend this question even to the uh, world of wrestling. Wrestling's fake. There are no bad calls. The Montreal screw job. So Jacob said wrestling's fake, but so are movies, and he still is entertained. Um, I, I didn't say wrestling wasn't entertaining. I just said there can't be a bad call in wrestling because it's fake. I think the worst call in wrestling history because obviously I have to wear wrestling today. That's a wrestling shirt? It is a wrestling shirt. It is a Randy Orton shirt. I thought it was Affliction. I was like, oh, that's on brand for you, Earl. Nope. I just put this one on too just because I figured it was wrestling. Um, anyways, Jacob, will you stop interrupting me? Um, the, <laughs> <laughs> the worst call in wrestling history, I would have to say is the Royal Rumble between John Cena and Batista as the final two. Batista was supposed to go for a Batista bomb. Batista bomb, John Cena over. John Cena weighed too much, and they both went over, and both feet hit at the same time. Instead of calling it a draw, they decided to restart that section of the match, leading to Batista eliminating John Cena, Batista going on to... Face the Undertaker at WrestleMania. Obviously, 21-0. and 0. Undertaker's going to win. History called it. Uh, and then John Cena became ja- John Cena. So, yeah. So, that was probably the worst call in wrestling history, I think. See, if I had to limit it to just wrestling, it'd be the Montreal Screwjob. Uh, that, to me, stands out as one of the worst moments ever. 
uh, in wrestling history. Now, again, I have not been a, a wrestling fan or a follower for years, I should say. But uh, yeah, there, there's definitely stuff that stands out. And yeah, Jacob, you're absolutely right. The the Braves Phillies game tonight is definitely why this question came up. And I mean, there have been other stuff, you know, in recent memory. You know, the the pass interference between the Saints and the the Vikings. You know, yeah, um, that was that was the other one that popped up for me, but that's it's a judgment call and i feel like judgment calls you can almost always at least kind of sort of make a case and i don't believe they reviewed that one so they missed it once that's why the that's why review went yeah. in yeah the next year so they missed it once the Braves Phillies guys missed it for a whole minute and a half of looking at replays so that's why the Braves went yeah, yeah, there's obviously others that we could go back to, you know, Braves Cardinals infield fly rule back in the playoffs a few years ago. That was just absolutely horrendous. But yeah, the, the other night you, you're watching the game, of course, you know, live at live, it's hard to tell. But once you see those replays, I mean, there are plenty of angles available, at least five or six different angles that, that were out there that the review umpire uh, could look at, that the audiences could look at, the, the broadcasters could, could look at. And they all clearly show him not touching the plate. And I know, yeah, Twitter was in an uproar over it. Like even other players are like, this is wrong. This is, this is so bad. I mean, Mike Trout was one of the ones that, that tweeted out about it. And I know Buster only was saying that, you know, MLB has to come out and say something about it. And of course they haven't, you know, and their decision was that there wasn't enough to overturn the call on the field. But I, I, clear as day, he doesn't touch home plate. That changed the outcome of that game. Uh, yeah, just absolutely horrendous call. And you know, I, we're all uh, obviously we're here because we're all sports fans, and none of us believe that an umpire or referee, whatever you want to call them, should not be influencing the outcome of a game. And time and time again, we see it happening where these referees' decisions are having a major impact on the way these games turn out has the implementation of, of instant replay benefited the game. Do you think, or should it just go back to the way it was before or did, or do we just need to make, or do these leagues need to make changes to the way instant replay is done? So oh, there's, there's so much there. Um, Earl, do you have an answer real quick? Cause I might be okay. He's for, this is an audio podcast most of the time and shaking uh no i don't have an answer for what seth just asked okay so one side semi side note my wife is not i mean she watches sports with me but she's not by any means a sports fan i showed her the clip of the braves phillies game did he touch home plate watched it for three seconds no he didn't yeah exactly so it's somebody that doesn't pay any attention to the sports was like, yeah, he didn't touch on plate. No questions asked. Like, wasn't it like, well, maybe no, no, he just, he didn't touch on plate. I think that the whole, he, MLB has to say something and the MLB not saying anything just speaks to the broader picture. That is the problem with major league baseball. And it is just, it's not, nearly as fan friendly as any other league in the any other sport in America. 
they don't hold anybody accountable. There's all these weird unwritten rules and written rules that nobody understands and this and that and the other. And it's just, they, they don't know what they're doing over there. And this just adds to the issue of why people don't like baseball anymore. And then as for your actual question, finally, um, I do think that instant replay VAR, whatever you want to call it has greatly benefited most leagues. Sure. There's a slight pause in the game sometimes, but for football, you can't, if you've ever been to a professional football game, you can't argue with a pause in the action because there's a pause in the action every 40 seconds. And when you're watching it in person, it is incredibly boring. So if at least if you're watching at home, if there's a, a challenge or a, a review that they need to do, you're watching it as well. And for the most part, football has been the best at going, okay, you have two minutes, referees, figure it out. And they go to the booth and two minutes later, they come back and we're done. The NBA, it's been a little bit more of an issue, but I feel like they get the call right at least. And then VAR is a completely other subject that we're not going to cover here. But, but I think at the end of the day, most of the time it leads to the right call and that helps the, the sport. Do you see any changes being implemented to in, in any of these leagues to either speed up the process or, or an overhaul as to, as to how it's done? Do you, th- or for, for, for instance, going into these reviews, such as in MLB, the, the review umpire knows what the call on the, on the field is. Do you think it'd be better if he didn't know what the call on the field is before he went into it? No, I, I mean, maybe, but most of these rules are written as we cannot overturn it without concrete physical evidence in the opposite direction of how it was called. And maybe if they didn't know how it was called, they could make a, a judgment on, on the play without being biased one way or the other. But at the same time, at that point, like for baseball, there's technology out there that tells you what a strike is and what it's not. So why do we need the referee at that or uh, the umpire at that point? There's you still there's, can't get that right. Yeah, there's technology out there that can tell if a ball is fair or foul. So why do we need the umpires out there for that? I'm sure there's technology out there that can tell if a player is safe or not. If he gets tagged on a tag play or if he beats the throw on a force play. So if that's the case with all that technology, why do we need umpires? So I feel like they keep the rule that it has to be concrete in the way against the official to make the officials feel and um, have the officials have power still for better or for worse. So I think if, if they go the route of we're just going to send it to what, where is it in New York? Is it yeah, Congress? Or that that might be NFL. I might be getting them mixed up, but we're going to send it to somebody over here, and they're going to say yes or no. Why do we even need officials there? Why do we need umpires there? So it's it's a slippery slope. I for the most part, I'm okay with how it is in every other sport. Baseball just has major issues outside of that, so I can't I can't judge baseball's review system because baseball is broken in general. If that makes sense. 
No, it absolutely does. I mean, look at the world champion Houston Astros from a couple of years ago. They cheated their way to a World Series, and then yet all of those players are still playing. They're all still playing. There was no punishment for the players that actually did the cheating. And here we are complaining about uh, a play review that is clearly wrong, but they can't even they can't fix either of those issues. And yeah, you talk about system systemic problems within baseball, and that's just even that's just touching the tip of the iceberg of it, if you ask me. Um, I mean, Earl, what, what's your take on that? Do you think that, that there's something that Major League Baseball should be doing to improve these situations? Major League Baseball is Major League Baseball, and it's always going to be flawed. Um, there's always going to be something with baseball. I mean, you look at the Astros winning the world title, not getting it stripped after they were found cheating. You look at the Red Sox not losing their title after they're found cheating. Um, obviously, now with the... Um, with the instant replay, I mean, it was very clear to a blind man that he was not touching home plate. So, no, I I think a complete revamp of the instant replay might be beneficial for them, but there's not really an immediate change that they can make. Yeah, as we know, you know, Major League Baseball did just you know overhaul the minor league baseball system. A whole bunch of teams were, were cut out, and Major League Baseball has decided to basically use different leagues within the minor league baseball system to to test changes. And you know, maybe there's something there that they can do as far as this stuff goes. But like you guys said, you know, there's really not a lot that you can do. Like first of all, within a season, you know, to to make a change. Uh, to help eliminate these errors. Like something has to be done at a, to me, at a personnel level in order to to really affect change in this or looking at how the wording of rules is done. And that's something, you know, that that every league tries to do. You know, we hear it all the time with VAR, clear and obvious error. They've, FIFA's gone back and forth on the, the, uh, on the offside rule and how to determine what's offside and what's handball and stuff like that. And it, it's really hard to, number one, if you're an official on the pitch, to, to keep track of everything that's going on, apply the rules correctly, and even if you do, there's a chance that VAR or instant replay could overrule you uh, based on what they see in New York, and that's part of the issue. Um, so who knows, maybe in the coming years, we'll see changes among the leagues, among their replay system, uh, to, to help improve these processes, you know, and where we get more calls correct. Uh, but there is one place where we don't see very many instant replays unless of course it is a highlight. And that is in the, that is in the world of the world wrestling entertainment. Uh, Earl, I know you've been excited for this. You specifically asked for this topic this week. And I have to say, I have not watched wrestling in years. Um, at least not to any sort of, you know, followable, uh, uh, effect. And I sat down this weekend after you had talked about it and I watched WrestleMania, I did watch it after the fact. I, d- I didn't watch it live because I, d- I didn't realize it was on Peacock, which is I think is fantastic. Um, but Earl, you're you're a huge wrestling fan. You know what? Are, what were your thought? What were your takeaways from uh, WrestleMania this weekend? So I have watched wrestling, WWE, AEW, TNA, 
um, whatever wrestling brand is out there since I was like four years old, five years old. Um, I've watched every WrestleMania. I've been to six of them. We're going to my seventh now in Dallas. Um, I believe that this one sits top five all time. Um, just because the special, the speciality of it, the sentimentalness of it with it being the first WrestleMania back with actual fans in the stands after a year. And I think it was one year, one month and one day is what they said. Um, the fact that they had 25,000 fans each night was incredible. My brother was there. Um, yeah, he was in a rain delay the first night because it's Tampa and Florida weather sucks. Um, Florida sucks just in general, but, uh, yeah, so my, this WrestleMania was my top five. Um, I was super excited with the way they played it out and the way they, the way they scripted it. If Jacob wants to say the way they acted it. Um, I don't understand how people like Jacob say it's fake when I watched a 40-something-year-old man get thrown off of 25 feet. Um, I watched... I Okay, fine. <laughs> I, I, I was letting you go. I was, I was letting you go. <laughs> but I got I to gotta, gotta jump in here for just two seconds. It's It's fake in the sense that it is scripted, like you just said. I did not say that it was fake. Like the, they they really do have to have physical abilities. They really do physical jo- things. They really get thrown off of fences, um, walls, whatever you want to call the cage. Um, that that part's not fake. Like they they legit throw people and put their bodies through hell. I also don't hate wrestling. Like I'm not an anti wrestler. I I watched it growing up. Um, it's just, there's only X amount of hours in a day and in a week and in a month and in a year. And if I were to get into it like you, I, I would just have too many things that I'm into in order to keep up with everything and still keep my wife and kids happy. So I choose to keep them happy and follow soccer and basketball. So, so a way to fix that is you get your... You get your kids in on wrestling, and then it becomes a thing where your kids like wrestling, and then your wife just follows suit because... The kid's not the problem, though. Like, I don't know if my wife would let me put wrestling on TV with the kids in here. Like, I just don't think that she would be like, yeah, let's do that. So I have to convince her before I convince them. Because I can guarantee you right now, the first time my youngest sees somebody jump off the rope, he will be doing that to his brother. And then you have to buy it. Then you have to buy a trampoline. I have a trampoline. It's it's a whole other discussion right now because it's broken and I don't want to talk about it. What isn't broken in I your see, that's right why you now? Just forget that it's coming on next and and leave the channel on. Oh, that hurt. We also well we also don't have we don't have TV. We have all streaming things. So I'm sure that there's a way I can stream it, but that would. I couldn't just put it on that channel and forget about it until it started. Okay. Like I have to, I have to deliberately go to 
whatever app it is and click on it and then go to whatever show it is and then click on it and then be like, oh, I don't know how it got on there. Maybe it just popped up. And then, and well, if you're trying to convince anyone on watching wrestling, I highly, highly, highly suggest you start with the Attitude Era and the DX takeover of WCW when they're knocking on the door of Ted Turner WCW. Um, that's probably the best one to start with. So, so, so you just told me to, in order to get my wife interested in wrestling and to watch current WrestleManias, I have to go through 20 plus years of wrestling in order to get her on board. Can't, I can't do that. Like, had you said, had you said, if you want to get somebody interested in wrestling, watch these two matches from this past WrestleMania that's on Peacock. And I could be like, I might be able to swing that. Okay. I might be able to show her. I can do the that. Bel Air Banks match. And I, I might be able to show her the Bel Air Banks match and be like, well, what do you think? Huh? I, but so here's also, I don't, I don't think I can give you four matches in recent history. And I will just go with WrestleMania's. To try to convince your wife to watch wrestling, to watch wrestling, don't don't you start with me. Time put. I can't find past WrestleManias. I need give me because we're going to be talking about this year's WrestleMania. So in order to shorten okay. this whole wrestling okay. topic, you guys, you guys talk about four matches from this WrestleMania this, that happened just this weekend that I need to go watch and can possibly show my wife. You so just you, keep it to this WrestleMania. You got four matches. I have it. I have better yet. I have the list of matches in front of me. I, I I'm not completely out of the loop. I know who most of these people are. Um, so I, I won't. It's not like I'll be. You're not going to tell me, "Hey, go watch this match," and I'm going to look at you like right. crazy. So like, you say, watch the Braun Strowman. Shane McMahon still cage match. I'm like, okay, yeah, I know that. After Earl and I were texting back and forth the other day, did you go and watch any of WrestleMania 37? I started the first night. Okay. And then I got interrupted and couldn't do anything after like five minutes. Okay. Okay. So that gives us a, a, a place to jump off from. So uh, I have, Earl, I, have I have not seen anything other than what... And when you say you and Earl were texting back and forth, let's 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 call that what it was. And it was basically breaking down every match play by play for the better part of seven hey, hours while I'm working hours. and my watch and phone are blowing up. No, because I looked, it's only three and a half hours each on oh, yeah, I watched all twelve. That's what it was. You're freaking insane. Hey, so, <laughs> so Earl, let's start with you. So Jacob, Jacob is four matches, right? Four matches off of this WrestleMania card. Can I, can I guess which ones they are yeah. going to be? Okay. So I'm, I'm assuming from what I've heard from you and others, the Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks one. Yes. For sure. Yes. Right. Judging by your shirt. That you have on. Nope. And your guys talk about nope. Randy Orton. Nope. No, not that one. No, not that, that was one. more of a cinematic no, that one. Was, that was a weird You don't match. want that one. That was a cinematic one. Don't watch that. 
Okay. So so that one was like uh, Undertaker's match. Exactly. Match. It was entertainment. It wasn't really intended okay. for nothing. All right. So before you, uh, before you go on to the next guest, uh, Earl, uh, Earl, why don't you break down why the Bel Air Banks match yeah. was uh, so impressive and, and why it should be watched? Good call there, Seth. Three words. Women's freaking wrestling. For my entire life, I've grown up to where women's wrestling has been looked down on. It's always been second fiddle to the men. It's always been this. It's always been that. It's always been a show for the horny old bastards to watch women in their underwear dance around. The I'm... I'm glad you finally got there because because I was waiting for you to mention the sex appeal of it because that when mm-hmm. I was growing up and I was watching wrestling that's all the women were right. on WWF and WCW it was just look at this hot girl in mm-hmm. very little clothing and this now Elizabeth yeah Sable Stacy Keebler Sable yeah Stacy Keebler yeah. Lita yeah so. I, I fully understand now that it's it's like legit like MMA type levels of of athleticism with these women now. So that that is intriguing. Women's wrestling has always been a sex appeal thing. Um, the fact that we watched two women, and I'm going to leave the color part out of it, two women main event a major event. In front of 25,000 people. And it wasn't. Not clean. It was super clean. There was chemistry there. They knew what they were doing. They are back and forth with it. And it was. Clean technical. Clean technical wrestling. It wasn't like just. Stupid things going on. Like it actually made sense what they were doing. Um, I still can hear the whip of Bianca Belair's Belair's hair whipping across Sasha Banks's body because that happened. Um, so yeah, so that's the one match. If you're looking for one match out of the entire card, that's it. Uh, Seth, what were your thoughts on that one? Yeah, uh, the Belair Banks match was historic. You know, uh. Earl did mention it, but it was the first time that two African-American women have ever headlined a, a match together at WrestleMania. And the match was, it was, it was fantastic. It, it was fun to watch. And yeah, they were legitimately doing things that there are, that there are some male wrestlers would do. Earl mentioned the, the whip by, uh, of the hair. And like, you could, there was a shot almost immediately. You could see like the welt from where the hair, now you have to understand her hair, it was, it was braided and it's like a four foot long ponytail, right? Four, maybe five yes. foot long ponytail. So like she legit like whipped her and like you could just hear the snap as it hit and it was just, yeah. But th- yeah, that aside, I mean, these they were impressive athletes out there and they put on a very good show. And uh, while it wasn't necessarily my match of the event, it is that de- it, it was a tremendous match to watch. And I, yeah, I I'm with Earl on recommending that one. Uh, my next guess. Um, 
you really threw me off with the Randy Orton one not being one. And I understand why. Um, I will probably watch that one. I like the cinematic one. I liked the Undertaker match last year just because it was, like you said, it was entertaining. Um, it's interesting to know that one. Let's go. Is it going to be the Bad Bunny match? Mm-mm. That was another entertainment. Is that one of the four? No, that's another one of entertainment matches. Oh, really? You wouldn't? You wouldn't say that one? So no, I would not rank that one. Do I? Oh, I like this. Do I think Bad Bunny did a hell of a freaking job being a rapper and jumping into a ring with a, two former WWE champions, a former tag team champion, a former Intercontinental champion, a former everything champion, a two-time Grand Slam winner, and he held his own? Yeah, I was super impressed with the fact that Bad Bunny did that. What's even more impressive and more heartwarming is the fact that Bad Bunny has grown up just like me as a wrestling fan. So he didn't just hop in there because he made $100 million that night or whatever he made. No, he hopped in there because he's a fan. And he got to do it with the people he grew up with, grew up watching, grew up loving and hating. And, well, except for Damian Priest. But I wouldn't match, I wouldn't rank that one in the top four. Would you, Seth? That's, that's one that I would say go watch from the pure entertainment aspect of it. I mean, in terms of the matches that happened over the course of the weekend, that was, it was definitely one of the most entertaining ones. I mean, you know, bad bunny, uh, you know, Earl mentioned he's a rapper and he is like, I think he set a record for the most number of times streamed on Spotify or something, uh, last year. Um, and he, like, he's one, like, he's like a two time platinum, uh, selling artist. And he's, you know, from Latin America and he came in and, and uh, I, I read up about it after the fact, and he like was le- legitimately training for this. Like he wasn't like going and messing around. You know, you've, we've seen celebrities come in, like William Shatner, and uh, you know guys like Mike Tyson and stuff come in and, and do stuff. But it's never really like legit wrestling, you know. But no, Bad Bunny came in. He was he looked really good in what he was doing in inside the ring. Some of the maneuvers he did, like the the one outside the ring maneuver just absolutely ins- crazy move that I, that I had never seen before. I think they called it like the bunny bunny destroyer or something is what they ended up calling it. Yeah. It's, it's something I had, uh, something I had not seen before. And uh, I was, I was really impressed with, with that. So John Cena has used that move a, a couple times. Um, it's obviously not as clean as what bad bunny did. Um, yeah. And I think they did call it the bunny destroyer or something like that. It was a, it was a super corny name. But the fact that he had the guts to do it. Wrestling? Corny? Yeah. The fact that Bad Bunny had the guts to do it and had the guts to not be afraid to just be out there was impressive. It completely changed my view of Bad Bunny from Royal Rumble. Well, I remember texting one of my friends asking, what the hell am I watching? Who the hell is Bad Bunny? And why is Booker T standing there like an idiot? Because he has a song named after Booker T. All right. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I just want this out there real quick. I got to say, they did a really good job of bringing people in for WrestleMania. Like, you saw guys like Booker T. You saw Jerry Lawler come back. Uh, they brought in Titus O'Neil. Now, they, they, they did, of course, bring in Hulk Hogan, but I thought they absolutely butchered their usage of him. I, I mean, they're kind of forcing him down people's throats. And I, I wasn't a fan of 
Hulk Hogan trying to act like a pirate on night two. But <laughs> for the most part, I think the, yeah, that was terrible. I think the, the appearances that were there. And then of course the, the hall of fame inductions that they showed from Latin, from the 2020 class and the 2021 class. Like there are some, like there are some real like legends of wrestling that have gone in. So yeah, they did a good job from that perspective. So one more thing before we go on to Seth or Jacob's guesses back, back to Jacob's guesses. Um, right now, my favorite person in the WWE is Bailey. The fact that she's willing to make herself a complete fool and have fun with it and just enjoy what she's doing is incredible. It's kind of what I do here. I put it, make it myself a fool. I enjoy it. Um, so we're going to now change this to Ding I'm Dong sorry. Hello. Ding Dong Hello is a new show name of this show. <laughs> All right, Jacob, carry on, carry on. I'm I'm missing something there apparently, but um, so is it the Shane McMahon match? Nope, I have my four written down, and it's not Shane McMahon. I, I'm so lost then because these are the only ones that I've heard of. All like, right, I hear like I see social media talking about and stuff like that. So hold on, I'm not done. I'm not done. Um, are they either of the championship matches? Mm-hmm. Both of the championship matches? Mm-mm. Just the Roman Reigns one. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I got one right, guys. All right. So, so I got, well, I've gotten two because I got the, the You win. got the Banks Miller okay, and so Roman Reigns. So I picked Roman Reigns, Edge, and Daniel Bryan. One, because I'm a huge Edge fan, I love the way Edge works. Love the dedication he has to the company. I mean, the guy's like 40-something years old, and he was out for 10 years. Loves it so much that he fought retirement, fought neck and season end, or career-ending surgery to come back. He had a torn freaking shoulder, and he came right back. Um, It was a – even though it was hardcore – and that's kind of why I chose it for you guys because it'll give the kind of hardcore aspect to it. Um, I chose it because it's another clean wrestling match that shows the epitome and three of the greatest WWE superstars possibly in history to... Three of some of the greatest. Let me reward that. Three of some of the greatest. So I have a top five. I have top top That's ten. Right. I'll put these three in top ten. Of all time? I will put Roman Reigns, Edge, and Daniel Bryan top ten all time. Bottom line. I'm going to let you have this because you're the wrestling expert. But I can name ten that I like better Maybe the maybe it's because I'm getting my opinion mixed in there a little bit too much, uh, but I can I I don't know. Go ahead, go ahead. But yeah, so that's why I picked them. It's a clean wrestling match. Um, shows the hardcore part of it because they bring in some chairs. Edge takes a concerto, which is freaking awesome. Um, and Roman wins. Who else? What else do you need? 
No, I like that pick. Um, I that was one of the ones that I figured I would watch anyways because it's a it's a championship match. It has names that I'm familiar with. It's it's not crazy um, like the Randy Orton one seems to be. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I agree with the Roman Reigns uh, that the triple threat match. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a huge Roman Reigns fans. Joseph Noi, you know, for those of you that that don't know, uh, former player at Georgia Tech. And so that's where I first uh, saw him. That's you know I met him, and uh, always going to be a Roman Reigns fan. You know, heel face, whatever. I mean, always going to support him. And then of course his battle with uh, uh, with leukemia over the past uh, several years, and uh, you know, good to see him back. I mean, he's a tremendous athlete, a tremendous presence for the WWE. So yeah, that that one was a lot of fun to watch. Jacob, back to your guesses. You got two out of so we've got eight, <laughs> two out of twelve. Well, so, so, Seth, you've got, you've got the Roman Reigns, the fee, the women's championship, and Bad Bunny as three of your four. Yeah. The other, the McMahon one is not your fourth. As impressive as Shane's bump was, no. The Lashley one is not your fourth. So. So while, while he said no, so while Jacob is trying to figure this out, I love Shane McMahon and the willingness that he's and the willingness he's willing to put out there for the company. I watched the guy jump off of a 30 foot hell in the cell and miss. I watched him jump off of a freaking stage into a pool of cardboard. And then just this past weekend, I didn't get to watch it in person, but I watched him be thrown off of a 25-foot steel cage, land flat on his back, and get right back up. So while, while physically, I will say that those are all very impressive, I think they speak to the fact that Shane McMahon has never been mentally the stablest person <laughs> in the world. Going back to 20 years ago, when I was watching him get thrown around. So, I hope he's okay upstairs. That's all I'm going to say. He is a McMahon, so. (laughs) This is also very. Anyways. Um, So, I'm not, I'm I'm done guessing, just because we could be here forever. So, So, let's get sets forth, see if that matches up with one of yours. And then then we'll have let you have the floor there. All right. So my so my honorable mention was uh the Apollo Crews and Big E match. What? Uh I, I said it in our group chat today. <sighs> no, it's honorable mention. That's not my fourth honorable mention. Because it was it was entertaining to watch. It just there wasn't enough. It wasn't you know there wasn't enough there. Like a big E reminds me a lot of D'Lo Brown from back, you know, like attitude era. Uh, D'Lo was, you know, obviously a lot of fun to watch. And so I saw a lot of him in Big E, but, uh, that, that match just left something to be desired. Um, but, uh, yeah, my fourth was actually the, uh, the Rhea Ripley, uh, Oscar match. That was a lot of fun to watch. Um, two very entertaining, uh, again, another women's match, two very entertaining wrestlers. Um, and they really put on a show. They, they really did. There were some, uh, some very acrobatic, uh, moves being, uh, put, put out there. And I felt like it was a, just a very, it was a hard fought match for both of them. 
So, one of those was my match, was one of my four. That was the Apollo Crews and Big E match. What? You were just so offended. I was offended that he, that, that, that he said yeah. that. I was offended because uh, it wasn't in his four. Honorable mention. Okay. It was an honorable mention. That's why I was offended. Okay. <laughs> no, I have that one written down. Right. Number three, Apollo Cruz Biggie. So, I picked Apollo Cruz Biggie okay. because they're two big men, and by big, they both weigh at least two thirty, two forty. Um, and they are throwing themselves around. I. That's not. That's not. I weigh. I weigh 210, and I'm not big. And I could be wrong. They might weigh more. I'm about to find out. Um, anyways, while I type and talk, chew gum and talk, um, they're both two big men throwing themselves around out there and willing to entertain fans. Um, the fact that they did a Nigerian drum match. Oh, that's Yeah, big-y. that's Biggie. Um, the, he is... Sorry. I just saw a picture of him, and I was like, oh, okay, he's that guy. Big E is the voice of the New Day. And the New Day, the New Day's yeah, entrance, that. that is Big E. Um, the fact that he's been with the company yeah, I got for, God, 20, 14, 15 years now, and all he's ever had is the Intercontinental Championship, kind of offends me, because Big E is super talented. Um. And he plays nice in the sandbox, unfortunately, but he is super technically gifted and knows what the heck he's doing out there. You could put him out there with a four-year-old and he'd probably put on a good show. Only because he is four years old. Yeah. That's, so, so just a little background. I was at a buddy's house probably two years ago, maybe three, probably three years ago. Hadn't watched WWE in I don't know how long. And he was watching it when I got there. And I walk in. And it is these two black gentlemen in the ring. With one of them feeding the other one pancakes. And throwing them around. And that, of course, was New Day. And I said, what the fuck is this? And I walked away. So I have since come back around on New Day. I've I've come back around on them. I I was weirded out the first time, but uh, it it's not that bad now. They're they're not that bad. I kind of like them. So I was in New York for Raw twenty five, the twenty fifth anniversary of Raw, when New Day came out and they were chanting New Day rocks, New Day rocks, playing their stupid freaking trumpet tr- trombone, wherever the hell they play, and just acting like a freaking fool, throwing pancakes in the air. And I told my brother, I said. I don't like them. I don't. Now they're one of my favorite mm-hmm. tag teams of all time. Um, yeah, that's so. Yeah, so I did get I did get the weights. Apollo Cruz weighs two forty two, and Big E weighs two hundred and eighty five pounds. And he's out there throwing himself around, having fun with what he's doing. So my fourth match that I have ranked top four is Cesaro and Seth Rollins. 
because they were both two yes men, company men, both technically gifted, both technically sound and know how to work with each other. Um, Seth Rollins has been deemed one of the safest wrestlers to work with. And Cesaro has never had a WrestleMania moment. And he got it. After spinning Seth Rollins 23 times. Yeah, I saw that clip and I was like, man, I don't know who you're hurting more, you or him. Because I'm I'm dizzy watching you. Yeah, that, that spin is no fun. I've seen it and I grew up with Peter, so I've felt it. It's not fun. So... So just going through the the list of the matches and looking at the wrestlers involved, because uh, I haven't, I know most of the names. Um, there's a handful that I didn't, but scrolling through pictures of the of the guys, uh, man, Kevin Owens looks like the best. He's probably a douchebag, I don't know, but he looks like just just a big old redneck fun guy. Kevin Owens, in my opinion, is the new Stone Cold. Oh, yes. I love him. I don't even care. Yeah. I don't even care that it's His finishing opinion. move is a Stone Cold Stunner. Yes. Kevin Owens' finishing move is a Stone oh, Cold yes. Stunner. And he kind of had a glimpse of Stone Cold this past weekend at WrestleMania when one of the worst people alive, Logan Paul, showed up. Um, yes, he is one of the worst people. I can't stand Logan Paul to death. And at the end of the match, whatever, Logan Paul screwed Sami Zayn, whatever, conspiracy theory, blah, blah, blah. Um, Sami Zayn is one of my favorites. R-Truth is one of my favorites because they play their role so good as the lunatic, crazy guy, I've lost my freaking mind role. Um, well, the end of the match happened... Logan Paul screwed Sami Zayn, whatever. Sami Zayn took off in a in a crybaby fit. Logan Paul tried to shake Seth or Kevin Owens' hand. Kevin Owens looked at him like, you just freaking touched me. And for that, you get a Stone Cold Stunner. I, 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 now that you said it, I've seen that clip. I saw it over the weekend. So, yeah, I think he's my favorite. I think I'm going to watch it just because. Yeah, I've always liked Kevin Owens. He's a really, really good superstar. Had he had a better opponent, he probably would have made my top four, top five list. There's a – help me out here, guys. There's, I think there's another Kevin from years back. And Kevin I liked Hatch? him, and I can't think of his name. Yeah, Daddy that's cool diesel. Thank you. That's that's all I needed was the name. I couldn't think of it, but all right. So, so after scrolling through all this, after hearing what you guys have told me, I'm here's here's my plan. All right, I'm gonna watch the four that both the four that Earl and the four that Seth mentioned. So I will watch. Let me get back up here to my list. I will watch the. Seth Rollins match. I will watch the Braun. No, no. The Bad Bunny, Damien Priest match. I will watch Bel Air Banks. I will watch Apollo Crews. I will watch Rhea Ripley. And I will watch Roman Reigns. On top of that, 
I will watch Kevin Owens just because I think that's going to be fun. I will watch Randy Orton because it's Randy Orton. He's the only name that I actually remember of actually like really watching back in the day. Uh, and the fiend. So that one would be interesting to me. Um, I'll watch Braun Strowman. Nah, actually I won't. Never mind. I take that back. I'll watch, I'll watch the new day match. Uh, just because those guys are funny. And I'll probably watch Bobby Lashley. So essentially, I'm going to watch over half of it. Okay, so the list. As, as long as I, find I compiled it. a quick list with a pen that I have not thrown at my wife yet. Um, I did say yet. <laughs> Great callback. Great callback. So the list that I just quickly threw together with mine and Seth's recommendations and list. Um, you might want to get a pen ready for this one. Would be start with Apollo Crews, go to Seth Rollins, go to Rhea Ripley, Bad Bunny, Roman Reigns, and then end with Banks Belair. Seth, okay. would you? Yeah, that's a that's a great that's a great watch list right like there. If you're trying um, to make a pay per view out of it, that's it. Where do I fit in Orton, and where do I fit in? Kevin Owens, because those are the two that I'm going to add for sure. You can fit in or in between Rollins and Rhea Ripley. And then Orton can go between Bad Bunny and Roman Reigns. And that's just for a break in the action to something different. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. All right, sounds good, guys. Um... I enjoyed that more than I thought it would. I thought I was going to sleep through the uh, WrestleMania top. But I... Let's, I mean, let's be honest. What I did was I made it about me and uh, tried to find a way to keep me engaged. So uh, I like that's it. That's fine. That's perfect. I mean, you know, and that's something that we kind of knew coming into this is that WrestleMania is not going to be a topic for everybody. And honestly, ahead of watching it, like I said, I haven't watched wrestling in, in years, but I enjoyed that a heck of a lot more than I thought I would. And it's probably going to lead me to go back and watch more in the coming weeks and months. And, and, uh, if you have, I would suggest also, if you haven't checked it out, watch the, uh, the untold series, the little, the little docu-series over on Peacock. Um, I just watched the Eddie Guerrero one the other night and it's, it's un- unbelievable. It's really good. Kim, watch, so. If you want a tearjerker one, watch the Undertaker. I hated that match. Yeah, I'm going to get to that one. I will. So, so just so you guys know, my two favorite wrestlers of all time were The Undertaker and Rey Mysterio. Two completely opposite ends of the spectrum, but those are my two favorites. So, if there's one on The Undertaker, I'll probably watch it. If there's one on Rey Mysterio, I'll probably watch it. Eddie Guerrero Ray is actually the, uh, the the person that pops up in the the ads for uh, WWE 2K22. Nice, yeah. Eddie Guerrero sucks. Rest in peace. You shut your, um, you shut your mouth. Block this guy. I hated him back. Kick then. him out right I hated now. Him Kick him out. What you like? I love. Like, he was like the best heel ever. Exactly. I love so much fun. The hell out of Eddie Guerrero. I hated him. I didn't hate him all the time. I hated him when he turned on Rey Mysterio. And that's when I hated him. And he lost me forever after that. 
That's what made me start liking him. That's the point. Was That's that? No, because Ray, those those were real tears by Ray Mysterio, and that hurt. See that the thing though is that's the sign of someone who can really play that role, who can flip and turn heel and and do that, and and really like play and job the fans. And And that's Eddie. Eddie did such a good job uh, throughout his entire career of you know being the showman, being the the part player, you know, doing stuff like that, and. You know, it, he is someone that I will remember watching, you know, when I was younger and when he was in the WCW, you know, I, I think his, he was at his best when he's in WWE, but, um, yeah, I'll remember I'll, him. I'll, I'll remember him forever. And he was great at that, at what he was supposed to do. He was great at it, but he was so great at it that it made me hate him. And I will always it. So as far as looking at like the bigger, broader picture of the WWE, he was fantastic. Uh, personally, in the fake world of wrestling, couldn't stand it. That's acceptable. That's acceptable. All right. Well, before we lose too many more listeners this week, what do you guys say we move on and actually talk some soccer? Let's do it. I watched a little bit of CCL. Uh, yeah? I'm into what did you watch? I'm into it. I watched a few minutes of Portland. That's all I watched. Okay. I didn't realize uh, the Atlanta so, one was on until it was over. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah so uh, we talked a little bit about CCL last weekend. Of course, the CONCACAF's Champions League uh, leg two of the opening round kicked off today. Uh, there were three matches that played today. Portland Timbers just destroyed Marathon 5 0. Yeah, just, uh, so Portland Timbers advance 7-2 on aggregate. They will play the winner of the Club America Olympia uh, series. Uh, I believe that final, ma- the final match of that, the second leg of that match is tomorrow, uh, Wednesday night. Uh, Atlanta United defeated uh, Alawalense again tonight, 1-0 to advance on aggregate, 2-0. They will play the winner of Saprissa and Philadelphia Union. Uh, and also tonight, Cruz Azul just dominated RK eight nil and Cruz Azul Ugh. advances to the next round. They will play the winners of uh, club Leon and Toronto FC. Um, so there's a number of matches coming up this week, um, finishing out the second legs of the first round. You've got Olympia and club America. You've got Saprissa and Philadelphia union, uh, America and Philadelphia union, both currently lead those ties there. Uh, Columbus Crew, Real Astali is also going to finish up. Columbus Crew has a 4-0 lead on aggregate there. And Monterey will take on Atletico Pantoja. Monterey has a 3-0 lead on aggregate there. And Toronto and Leon are tied 1-1. So a lot of action around CCL today. Uh, Portland looked fantastic. Chara had a hat trick uh, for them today. So congratulations to the Portland Timbers. And... This is going to be interesting. We could very well see one, two, uh, five MLS clubs make it to the second round of CCL, um, which I think is a fantastic result for them, especially having to play out of the country for the first leg and then come back. Now, I know there were some issues with some of these clubs and their visas not being issued or not being allowed to travel into the United States because of um, 
a, an executive order from President Biden saying that anyone who had traveled to the UK in the past few weeks could not uh, come into the come back into the states. So, like Alawahinse, they were without like seven or eight of their starters because of that. Because some of those players had gone over and played in international friendlies um, last week or the week before during the international break. So, um, even with that, I think this is a fantastic showing for MLS so far. Um, and I think it's uh, Cruz Azul is going to be tough here on out. Uh, from what you saw today, Jacob, is there anyone that you think is going to be a, a challenge for uh, reaching the semifinals? I haven't looked at the bracket too, too much other than what you just said, basically. Um, I think that, that there's a number of MLS teams, uh, the main one being Columbus, that I think has the best chance to win this thing. Um I think Columbus is just the best MLS team that's in it. And you mentioned getting five into the quarterfinals. That's that's great. But we've seen similar numbers like that in the past. And MLS being in the makes has never been a problem. It's MLS winning it that's been the problem. And I just don't. It's not that I don't think that they will. It's kind of gotten to a I'll believe it when I see it type mentality for me. So I'm hoping that we can get it done. An MLS team can get it done and get this monkey off our back and whatnot. Um, But until that happens, I don't know. I don't really know what to think about it. And, And like you mentioned, these... South American teams, a lot of them were missing players because of of the travel ban, like you said. So kind of taking this first round with a grain of salt and see how they how they go up against teams that have won a round already and and have proven that they should be there. And hopefully by then the travel ban will be back. Because what I don't want to happen is I don't want us to end up winning this thing. And there being a travel ban all the way through and being like, yeah, that's why they won because they got a break here and a break there and this and the other. Yeah, there's some interesting matchups still remaining. And honestly, I think I think I would be disappointed if Atlanta and Philadelphia Union played. But, you know, I think that, again, it's. It's a good showing for MLS so far. Uh, last year, of course, LAFC lost in the final. Uh, year before that, uh, I don't believe it doesn't look like any MLS club made it past the uh, past the semifinals. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's it's looking good so far for for MLS. It, it'll be interesting again. It'll be interesting to see what happens with them here in the last couple rounds, and uh, can they break through finally? Um, Again, you know, like you said, you don't want the travel ban to, to mar anything. I do think that we're going to see at least one in the semifinal because I think you're going to play Philadelphia. So that's going to guarantee us one spot in the semifinal. Yeah. Portland, I would I would love to see Portland versus Club America um, in the next round. I think that would just be an entertaining game. Um but Club America only has a 2-1 league lead uh, after the first leg. So that's, you know, they, they're going to have some work to do to get through. 
Columbus, they're up 4-0 in their leg. Um, but if they win that, assuming they do, they play a Monterey team that's going to be pretty tough. So I think I think what's going to happen, I'll give you my final four predictions uh, right now. I believe it's going to be an all-MLS on one side. I think it's going to be Toronto. Not Toronto, sorry. Portland versus... Sorry, Seth, but probably Philadelphia. Um, part of this is I just... I don't know what to make of Atlanta right now. I know Joseph Joseph's back, but I just... After last year, I don't... I don't know what you guys are going to look like. So I know Philadelphia has most of their team back from last year, aside from like Brennan Aronson. Um, and they are, they won the supporter shield last year. So, but I, I think it's Portland and either you guys or Philadelphia. I'm going to take Philadelphia on the other side. I'm going to take Cruz Azul, uh, especially after what we saw from them tonight. Cause Holy crap. Um, that was impressive. And then the one that I really don't know is Monterey Columbus. My heart wants to say Columbus. Uh, my head wants to say Monterey. So I usually go with my gut and say Columbus. So I think we're gonna have, I think we're gonna have three of the four, basically. So I, I'm gonna be honest. I haven't even followed the CCL at all. Um, I've been pretty overwhelmed, obviously, this weekend with WWE. Um, still trying to deal with all this. 12 hours of wrestling. And on top of that, I had the Hall of Fame the day before that. And I had pretty much a whole week of WWE and AEW and NXT and Hall of Fame and WrestleMania. And on top of all that, trying to balance my wife and her family issues going on and just trying to be there for my wife still. Um, so I haven't even had time to look at CCL or any kind of soccer. I know you, you, uh, I'm not going to spoil it. Spoil what? Your 17 and a half hour <laughs> video and tribute to United's preseason. It was 17 minutes, first of all. <laughs> and that, I cut that down from 25. Okay. It was it was twenty five, and I threw some stuff out, trimmed it down, got it down to under seventeen, and said, "That's good there." And I got to tell you, that was the funnest experiment or the funnest project that I've done with United this whole time. To be able to put that little thing together was a blast because I got to rewatch the match. I got to rewatch the whole match one more time while I picked the clips out. And then I got to rewatch all of the major points multiple times while I edited that little video. So I had a blast with it. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know why you're hating on it. I thought it was great. Um, had several people re put it put it back out there, uh, I, share it. I'm not call. hating on it. I just am saying I didn't have time to watch it. It was 17 minutes. You watched 12 plus hours of wrestling. You couldn't watch 17 minutes. Of a United highlight? What? Get out of here. Why are you yelling? Why are you yelling? <laughs> I don't know. I got really worked up. For Look, I'm sorry. for the first <laughs> time in one year, one month, and one day, WWE had a live event in front of live people and live chants. 
I was not going to miss that for the world. I'm not saying you had to miss don't it. Don't you even start with I'm me. I'm saying don't, you could squeeze the 17 minute Look, don't you even start with me. I thought you were going somewhere else with this one. I'm kind of glad you didn't. <laughs> this, you know, you get. This is why we're here. Hey, bro. how do you? This is why we know. How do you turn this guy's video off? This is this is why. How I do you love turn you. this guy's video off? <laughs> this is why I even love you, Earl. I, I was hoping so, he muted. Pay him, some respect. Though. Watch a seventeen-minute video. With with children. Watch a seventeen-minute video. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. oh, you really? <laughs> yeah, I have it right there. And right there. And this. <laughs> and right. You know, you guys are not good at segues, but you've given us a couple different uh you you've given us a couple different uh ways to get into our our I think it's going to be our final segment of the show this week. Uh, that is of course New Mexico United live events. Soccer is back in New Mexico. Uh the club had their second preseason match, of course, this past weekend. And uh, the New Mexico United did, of course, defeat Colorado Springs Switchbacks FC by a final of four to two. Uh, I was actually out there, and I know you guys, I know Jacob, you were watching uh, on Twitter or YouTube or something. YouTube. Uh, how, so, first of all, like, I know what I saw while I was out there. How was the broadcast better? Uh, how was the quality compared to uh, from what I was told was a phone on a tripod from the first uh, preseason home match. That's exactly what it was. The first one uh, and in the bed of a truck to give them a little bit of elevation. So this was so much better. There was multiple cameras, multiple angles. They had the, the lift out there to get a little bit higher Still not as high as I would have liked, but um, I, it was if if the first one was a one, this one was a twenty on a scale of one to ten. Um, it was just that much better. Uh, the guys, uh, Tyler and <coughs> Tyler and Andy, did a fantastic job as they always do. Um, I found out well. Not confirmed, but from what, so fun fact, my boss knows Tyler from when Tyler was a child because Tyler grew up here in Santa Rosa, just north of us. That's where my boss is from. Uh, He says that Tyler's been doing this play-by-play stuff for football and other sports since he was in middle school. So um, he he's young, but he's got a lot of experience and he does a fantastic job. And then Andy just kills it with golf references during the masters. We didn't even talk about the masters. You guys took, you took my masters talk away because of WrestleMania. And I let you remember that you guys owe me on that. (laughs) But anyways, um, shout out to Hideki Matsuyama being the first Japanese, uh, male Japanese player to win a a major. Uh, that's all I'll say about it. Other than that, it was kind of a boring masters, uh, other than like two moments on, there was on a the back hole in now, one so. on the very anyways, first freaking day. Uh, anyways. Uh, um, <laughs> they did a great job. And then, of course, the second half in Spanish. I was lost with the subs. I had no idea who was in, who was out. Other than that, the Spanish broadcast is fantastic because many bring so much energy. Um and and Audrey comes in there with, I'm sure, very pointed points that I don't know 
I don't know what they are because I don't know Spanish, but um, it was still great. So broadcast-wise, so much better than the first one. Uh, yes, Earl, I know. There was a hole-in-one. It was an ace. It was fantastic. There was a hole-in-one on Thursday, too, or on Saturday, too, on 6. I know. I know all of this. None of that had anything to do with who won. None of it had any type kind of drama behind it. It was just a random ace on Thursday. So I don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. Anyways, do you want me to talk about the soccer? Or or keep 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 do you keep, wanna, go, keep going. Okay. <laughs> or I was like, no. Just keep going no. on your rant. It's all right. No, my rant's done. Seth, what was it like to be there? Not not talking about the play on the pitch just yet, just the atmosphere, um, the excitement level around it, the players, how, how you felt the players embraced the fans. How was all that? This was actually my first time out there this season. Uh, for anyone listening, a club, of course, is limiting access to the preseason matches. Um, I got there a little bit later than I than I had planned on, uh, so I got there probably around twelve thirty or so. Um, I oh no, nah, well, I could blame you, but no, I got busy <laughs> with some stuff here at the house, and then I uh, got down there. And David Carl, of course, you know, uh, had me jump, helped me jump the line, uh, recognized me, and got me in there, got me badged up and inside, and and um, so he from my perspective, you know, being there covering the club, um, you know, he, he initially directed me to one of two spots that I could, that I could be at. And unfortunately for me, I picked the, uh, the wrong end of the pitch, uh, for both halves. And, um, Oh, you switched. No, I stayed put. Okay. Well, you, at least you got to see cello's goal up close. Yeah. I got to see cello's. Yeah. Cello's goal was fantastic, but, uh, um, no, it, it was, it was honestly, there was such a good atmosphere there, even for there only being, I think a few hundred people, I think it was like 300 people or something like that. Um, it seemed to me that all the little pod areas were sold out. Um, and there were some different, uh, concessions there. One of the, one of them was like giving away like free drinks and snacks and stuff, which, which was really good. You know, it was a nice, uh, warm day. Uh, one of the first nice days we've had this year, I, I have to say, but you know, it, there was definitely excitement around the around the Mesa del Sol complex. Um, the players seem to be digging it. Like the curse was out there. There were some people, uh, there were some supporters like really get going at uh, the Colorado Springs players uh, throughout the match. I'm sure you guys could hear it on the broadcast. Um, and uh, they really seem to get to one of the switchbacks players at one point who who's actually started like yelling back at the supporters. Um and so that was that was fun to see. But yeah, I got to see some folks that we hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, Ken Stickinger from the from the journal. I uh, got to talk to Peter in person, which is which is wonderful. Um, Peter, you know, he you know, Peter just Peter loves it. He, he really does. And talking with him about some different things, you know, he's uh, I didn't know this, but Windfire is actually the the group that does all the broadcasts out at the lab. So this wasn't anything oh. new for them. They, they volunteered to come out and do this. Um, and uh, so that was fantastic by them. Uh, so yeah, Peter said that because I asked him, you know, because this was the first I'd heard of Windfire mentioned. And he said, yeah, they've been doing it um, since they're, you know, since they've been doing all the matches out the lab too. Um, so that was, that was good to know. I hear that, that they've been working with the club for quite a while. 
And uh, it's got a little bit of news from, from Peter that Rosh has been out with a quad injury, uh, still a few weeks out from his return. Peter's one of those guys, he just can't help but let stuff out, you know. But uh, yeah, no, it, it was fantastic, you know, seeing everyone out, you know, seeing David Carl and the club, you know, got to talk to Troy after the match but yeah it was it was a very much a match day feel you know um and you know there were there were things that if you're just a casual observer if you'd never been to a united match before you'd be kind of wondering you know, all right well i can't hear the pa i can't hear what's going on and uh so at one point like brucey came on as a sub in the first half and then he lit off the pitch and went back and then subbed in again later on it looked like some sort of an injury to someone's hand or arm and but yeah, it, it was very much a match day feel and it was fantastic being out there, you know, in the fresh air around hundreds of other supporters and really just seeing the guys. And, and I texted you guys and I said, you know, watching them live in person, like you forget how fast these guys are and how physical they are when you're only watching them on TV week in and week out. But to see them in person, like it's just such a different feel. And like it was it was something that I'd really been missing and it was such a good thing to be out there. And, um, yeah, it's, I'm hoping that at least one of us can get out there again this weekend. Well, I'll be, I'll be in town and it is my turn to go. Uh, so as long as we get a press pass, I will be out there. That is my plan. It's been my plan since the schedule was announced. So hopefully knock on wood, we, we don't get, screwed somehow with weather or not getting a pass or something like that. And I don't get out there, get a chance to make it, but I, I will be there for sure on the 17th, as long as there is a match and as long as we get uh, availability to get in there. So yeah, um, I think we should mention that, you know, we've been fortunate to have someone at both home matches so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been fortunate that, you know, we were able to get um, Earl out or get you out to the, get you out there to the media day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we got word this week that media credentials are going to be handed out on a week by week basis. Um, last year, match by match basis. Yeah. And so last year and year before it was, it was basically just like a season long thing. You got your credential, you were good to go for the year. Um, and obviously the club is still following COVID protocols and things like that. Um, but the information we got made it seem as though, there may be a possibility that we may not be able to be at the lab every week once we're back there, uh, which is unfortunate, but I mean, we're still going to do our very best to get out there and bring you guys news and stuff. And, and um, uh, I'm actually, I've got some audio I'm going to try to throw in here after at the end of the episode of the presser from after the match this past Saturday, uh, talking to Troy and Brucey and Austin. So, Nice, nice. So yeah, I uh, Brucey came in for Schwartz's bloody nose, actually. Um, oh, is that what it was? It looked like they were yeah. working on his hand or something. No, it was, it was a bloody nose. You you notice in the videos of his goal when he celebrates, he runs by and he's got tissue paper coming out of one of his nostrils because it. Oh, okay. He, he got a bloody nose there, but um, yeah, that it was it was kind of that the first half I could follow subs because of it being in English, the second half, I was a little bit lost, but, but yeah, it, I can't wait to be out there next weekend. I can't wait till, till May 15th, uh, praying that we all get to be there for that. Um, 
and nobody has to, we don't have to draw straws to see who gets to go and who has to watch from home because it's a moment that I know we all want to be there for. So um, we still got a, a month away, you know, a lot can change in a month positively and negatively. So, so let's hope that um, they give out some passes and, and it's still safe and, and still, still able to, to cover, get what we need to do, be there to get the information and content that we need to cover the club for you guys that, that listen to us and, and read our stuff and, and follow us on social media and stuff. So I'm super excited for that. Let's talk about the on the field stuff. Um, it was, we gave up two goals. Um, but other than that, it was probably the funnest match I've seen them play uh, in a long time. Uh, that I think that kind of comes with scoring goals, but the way the goals came, the way the defense was playing, the way we controlled possession and and then just we, we just controlled the match the majority of the time. Even when we were up three to nil, uh, aside from that rush to begin the second half where they scored their first goal, um, you know, it, or second goal, sorry, uh, it it really felt like we controlled everything. Um, even when they had the ball, it wasn't. It didn't seem threatening, for the most part. Uh, it just, I loved every second of it. Earl, did you get a chance to watch anything at all? Or did you watch it? I know you didn't watch my highlight package, but did you watch the match? I watched bits and pieces of it. I was busy doing mechanic work that day, so my hands were deep in oil. Um, so little bits and pieces I could catch is what I did catch. I did catch Cello's goal. I did catch Schwartz's goal. But that's about it. Well, you know, there is a a shortened version of it that you probably could have watched before we recorded tonight uh, that, that a young man that... Uh, was just doing everybody a favor that couldn't watch the match, you know, getting a condensed version of it down to 17 minutes that you could have watched out there. Just, just throwing well, that out. Well, you see, there is also a shortened, condensed version of WrestleMania on Peacock that you could have watched before this too. Yeah, that was still seven hours long. Mine was 17 minutes. Seven hours, 17. It's like the same <laughs> equivalent. We're going to start talking about the quantum time realm nonsense <laughs> from Endgame. Well, Anyways. You know, now that, now that you brought WrestleMania back up again, I, I do have to admit that uh, I was talking to Peter, you know, after watching the the play on the pitch in the first half, you know, obviously there were some, you know, there were some headlocks thrown. Uh, I think Schmitty had a, had a half Nelson in there at some point. I asked Peter, I said, Peter, you think these guys are amped up for WrestleMania this weekend with all the, yes, with all the stuff that's going on out there. And he just, he just had a laugh at it. And then um, he said, obviously they are, you know, so they, they knew it was WrestleMania weekend and they just had to get in on the action. They understood the, the importance of it because WrestleMania is a major thing. Jacob wouldn't understand this though. 
for those of you listening, uh, again, this is an audio podcast and Jacob is just shaking his head here over on YouTube. So, uh, you gotta be with us to catch this stuff folks over here on YouTube. Um, but yeah, no, it, like, honestly, like from the opening whistle, Jacob, you mentioned that it just looked like we were in control and typically we have access to, you know, the USL championship website. We can get basically up to the minute stats while we're at the matches and out at Mesa del Sol, we don't have that, but you know, in a lot of in sports, we hear a lot about the eye test. How do how do teams look? You know, this team all looks better than this team based on how they're doing. But just looking at the way United played, it was pretty clear that we were the better club, that we were the better side, that we were more aggressive. Uh, we handled the press from Colorado Springs very well, um, and I felt like Alex did a fantastic job in the first half. You know, I was right behind. I was behind the goal that he was defending the entire first half and Alex's communication, uh, Schmidt's communication. It was very good. You know, I got a good look at Sam playing right center back and Sam did a fantastic job in a uncommon position for him. Um, we looked really, really good. I feel like he played there a few times last year, but I, I did like how you threw out that he looked really good. And then literally the moment I got that text, he just got absolutely burned uh, down the sideline. And we didn't, Schmidt did a good job of, of having his back and, and covering for him. But, and I'm not, I'm not dissing Sam. I thought he played a heck of a game too. I just thought it was funny that, that at that exact moment, he decided to not have the legs to keep up with somebody. And, and it just made me kind of chuckle. Yeah. I, I, and also the, this game was four to two. It could have been six to nothing or six to one pretty easily. The, the first goal that United gave up, which was the first goal of the game. Um, it, it was just a sloppy, a sloppy small sequence there. And otherwise a really good first half where we let some people get loose and let somebody get open at the six yard box and let somebody cut it back to him. And it was, it was a pretty easy goal. Uh, I thought Alex hesitated just a little bit on it, but you probably had a better view of that goal uh, than anybody else here. Did he? Did Alex seem to play that one okay? Was it, did it look like he could have done better? There, there really wasn't much that he could have done. I mean, you know, with the amount of pressure that had come in uh, at that point. And the way the ball was played back into the box, like he just, there wasn't much he could do from that distance. Right. I mean, I, I felt like he read it right, but he just, I think he was just, um, at, because of where the Colorado player was, it would have made it extremely difficult for, for Alex to, to make that save. Um, and that's, uh, that's, that's my, probably my biggest gripe for the weekend is that none of the kits had names on them. Not even our own. Colorado's didn't. And so and we didn't have access to team sheets or anything like that. So didn't really know who was doing what, number one, for Colorado. And then, you know, even our own media guys were saying, okay, yeah, it's really hard. to." And even Peter admitted this. He goes, yeah, maybe we should put the names on the back of the kits, <laughs> you know, so that we know who's doing what, not just the little numbers on the legs. Um, especially with the newer faces, you know, it's hard to tell who's doing what. And it was... And it's hard to give credit to where 
credit was due on, on both sides. Um, but yeah, Alex played well. I thought he did really well. He didn't really have to do too much in the first half, uh, which I think is a testament to the amount of pressure that we put on and how how controlling we were of the midfield. So I think that the first half went really, really well. And we we had opportunities uh, to, to score. And of course, uh, that first goal, I believe that one was... Uh, um, that cello. was cello, cello on it the was, first one. It was cello. Um, it I was that's the one where he went, he, where he went airborne and then like put it and like kicked it in while he's midair. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was that first goal was beautiful play. Uh, Schwartz threw it in to the corner to Tenari. Uh, Colorado decided to double team Tenari, and he beat the double team with a little backheel pass back to Schwartz. Schwartz, who was cutting to the baseline or to the touchline. Um. Swartz kind of did a little move on one of the, the defender that was in his way and got to the touchline first and was able to cross it in and put a beautiful ball in. And Cello, who's not a very tall guy, um, I thought I originally thought he headed it in uh, just because I saw the height of the ball and thought, oh, that was a header for sure. Uh, but no, he actually jumps up, kind of kicks it in, waist height. It was kind of an awkward finish, but he was able to find the back of the net. And... Uh, that was just it, it. It was great, a great one-two move with Tenari and and Swartz, and then Swartz just putting a beautiful cross in. And I don't, I don't think if you if you're saying Swartz is putting a beautiful cross in, I don't think Cello is the one that you expect to finish it. But but he was there, and and he he got a touch to it and got it in there. Um, so yeah, that was a beautiful goal. And and from that point on, it was like okay, we're gonna win. Uh, it's it's pretty much over at that point because that first play was such a fluke that um, the, the, the call, the first Colorado goal was such a fluke that you just didn't expect it to happen again. It, it wasn't even really a nice play. It was just a poor sequence from, from United. And then you have the second goal, uh, which just came a handful of minutes later where United just put a clip of it out uh, on social media today and you see some beautiful passing. You see a great dummy by Cello, and then he lets it roll through to Amando. Um, Amando then turns and finds Suggs crashing in. Suggs and Swartz both crashed in so hard on their sides um, and contributed so much from an attacking point of view. It was a blast to see, and we saw it a lot towards the end of last year with Suggs. Uh, so I, I, I think our attack is going to be hugely bolstered by not only the additions, but just with, with the tweak in philosophy that seems to have happened recently with, with Troy there, but he finds Suggs coming in, crashing in, uh, Suggs touches it, puts a, a good shot, not a great shot, but it was high, uh, making Rodriguez have to jump for it. And he, he gets the initial save, but he can't keep it under control. And Cello and Amando both are right there at the doorstep. Uh, Amando's the one that gets the touch, gets it underneath Rodriguez, who's trying to recover, puts it in the back of the net. Uh, another great, great goal from a team perspective. It wasn't one team or one player that just made a move like the sports goal coming up. It was just Everybody touched it. Everybody got involved. Everybody knew exactly where everybody else was. Um, 
it, it just it was probably the the prettiest goal of the night aside from cello's just absolute worldly yeah it was a uh, it was a lot of fun to watch and see the play again I, you know i was at the opposite end of the pitch um so i was kind of getting bits and pieces and i i can't remember if it was right there in the first half or if it was later in the second half where uh, Amando had a, had a chance to go for goal from about probably it looked like he was just outside the box. And I made the comment on, over on Facebook that uh, he sent it into the concession stand. Yeah, that um, was, it was in the first half. I think it was before, I think it was right before that goal. Okay. I couldn't remember exactly when that, when that point was, but, uh, I went and I looked at, I watched the video after the, after the fact, and apparently Tyler, uh, Tyler said the, something very similar <laughs> to that on the broadcast. Um, so, you know, great minds think alike right there. I, I was just going to say, uh, I didn't mention it, but before that, uh, before we even scored, Dev actually tried to score from like 45 yards out, 40 yards out. I don't know. It was, it was just inside of our half and it, I don't know how it looked for you, Seth being there. It might've looked like it was supposed to be a cross that just got away from him. But when you watch it on the video, it, he's definitely going for goal. He, he definitely sees Rodriguez off his line and, and tries to put it in the top corner and damn near does. And that is something we never saw last year. We, yeah, we almost always saw players want possession, whether it was meaningless possession or not, over a, a chance, uh, albeit a a very slim chance of scoring a goal like that. And that wasn't even the only time we saw that. We saw Brucey also do it in the second half from the from midfield, and he almost did it. And yeah, he, was he did not miss by much. Yeah. Bruce, so, yeah, Brucey did not miss by much. That that ball came; it was probably a foot, foot and a half over the top of the goal. But yeah, who, the keeper for switchbacks was way off. It was well off his line. Mm-hmm. Uh, had that ball been down just a little bit lower, that he wouldn't have gotten to it. Um, but yeah, it was impressive. You know, I was glad to see the guys take those chances. Um, like you mentioned, that we didn't really see that last year. Mm-hmm. You know those, those weird chances where, you know, the keeper hat just happens to be playing up or whatever, you know, weird shit happens in soccer, you know? <laughs> and you, know, you, you see goals like that from time to time, but it was good to see them taking those chances and, and having their heads up and looking down the pitch and seeing that happening. So uh, I think maybe we'll see a goal like that at some point this year. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be a lot of fun to see, but yeah. Uh, into the first half, uh, we got it. It went three uh, one. Uh, that was Harry's goal, I believe. There. Yes. Um, so that one was was a beautiful one two, with I want to say Amando, but I'm not 100 percent sure who the assist went to. I'd have to. Uh, I'll need to double check that. But he plays it to Amando, kind of just inside our half, um, and then Harry just freaking turns the burners on and blows past his dude, like not even mm-hmm. close. And Amon, I'm going to say Amando because I think that's who it was, gives it back. And Harry's just off to the races and nobody's catching him. And he's got Devin on the other side. Devin's got a man kind of man marking him. That guy kind of gets caught in no man's land. He doesn't really help out on Schwartz. He doesn't really help out on Dev. Um, and 
So that left Schwartz just Schwartz just one on one with the keeper, and he just slotted it home to the left hand corner and made it look super easy. And then I I I don't know because Seth, have you watched the video that I put out? Uh, I did, but I don't uh, remember it very well. So after that goal, I thought it was hilarious because I'm almost positive he grabs his girlfriend's butt in the celebration, and it's hilarious. <laughs> the camera zooms in, so you can't see his hand, but his hand is on her back, and then it drops out of frame, and then she pushes him like, what are you doing? And I, I'm almost positive that's what happened. And I think I think it just speaks to the amount of fun that these guys are already having um, and the the amount of just comfortableness that they have with each other and the families have with each other and everything like that. So I just thought that was a funny moment that, that just kind of speaks to, to the mindset of these players right now. And I think it's great. Yeah, they definitely seem to be having fun and they've actually, you know, they've done better the last two matches than they did in the, in the first two. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one thing that I will say, and it's something that Troy spoke to after the match Something that we've dealt with, we've seen over the past two seasons is that the club starts slowly in the second half. There's just, yeah. for whatever reason, that momentum just doesn't carry over. And again, Troy spoke to it, at, like I said, Troy spoke to it after the match. He said, you know, we have to be better. We have to, we have to start quicker. We have to, you know, we can't let that momentum drop. And, you know, of course that did result in a, in the second goal for Colorado Springs. Um, that one was actually going away from me again. Um, so I didn't see, uh, I saw some number and I know that on the, on the broadcast, I think they were saying it was Labisi that scored it. Well, um, so it's in Spanish. So that's what it sounded like, but it was their number 10, uh, which I believe his last name is Barry. Um, okay. He, he's a giant dude. He's was really impressive. He had another play, uh, shortly after that goal where he gets a pass at the top of the box and he's by himself. Um, one of our defensive mids come crashing at him from behind. He sees it out of the corner of his eye, makes him, and then unleashes a shot that fortunately just went right at Phil. But he really impressed me, and he's he's somebody that you're going to be writing about in the preview, I think, when we start playing Colorado Springs. Um, okay. And, the, and then the goal that he did score, uh, it was a beautiful through ball. Uh, I don't know who played it to him. I couldn't tell, but... Um, it was just a beautiful ball. Schmidt kind of gets caught ball watching um, on it and lets, lets Barry get in between him and doesn't do anything to stop him. And you see Schmidt realize right away, as soon as the goal goes in, he's like, damn, that's me, guys. Um, so that goal might happen if Ryden's in there. Probably not, would be my guess. So it was a nice play. It was a great finish. But as long as we got riding back there at center back, I don't think that happens. So while I was, while you see the two goals given up, one of them was a brain fart. That's going to happen sometimes. The second one, I think was the first one was a team brain fart, which I think is going to happen sometimes. And then the second one was just a personal brain fart that from a player that I don't think is going to be in that position, barring injury uh, a lot of the season. So other than those two goals, I thought the defense played really well. Um, and then what I really liked was, you know, we score three goals in the first half, and I think the second half could have been our better offensive half if 
a few things go different. Yeah, there are more than a few chances. Uh, Brucey had a few looks there from well, the inside, from inside the box. And I, I talked to him a little bit about that and I've got a clip of it. Um, but what he, it seemed from their perspective that the Colorado defenses were just getting tired. And so they shifted to more trying to play the ball in behind um, there in the second half to get, to get those openings, get in and get good looks. And we saw Brucey get, get a couple shots off. Um, I, and I mentioned, you know, I thought it was good to see him shooting. Um, but I think there are a couple instances where he could have made a better decision. I love his aggressiveness. Uh, we talked about his shot that he took from, from the midfield line. Um, I think he had a couple of shots that just missed, uh, or at least one that just missed that I was happy he took. But there's that one in particular that I know you're talking about where, first of all, the first touch on that, it was a, it was a, it was a deep ball from Ryden. It was all the way from our half. Ryden just puts a beautiful ball in behind Colorado Springs and Brucey makes a great run and brings it down with a karate kick that was just super impressive. So he's behind his defender. He's now controlled it with this crazy first touch, dribbling in at the goalie, has Brown at the six-yard marker just chilling by himself, nobody within 10 yards of him. There is a player running in from behind that Brucey might have seen, but I think you got to try to square that ball. And, and if that defender that's running in from behind slides to try to cut it off, maybe he kicks it in and gets an own goal. But if he doesn't and it gets to Brown, Brown's finishing that 10 times out of 10, man. And Brown needs to see the ball go in the back of the net right now because he is struggling in a lot of aspects out there. And I don't know if that's because he – He's, he hasn't been here that long. I know my when I went to media day, that was his first training with the team. So that was three three weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago now, um, four weeks ago, whenever it was. So it could be that. It could be the altitude. It could be some of that. He's getting into good spots. He's just not making the right decision. Um, and and, I, and you guys know that I'm real high on Brian Brown. I said he was probably going to lead the lead or lead the team in scoring. Um, I think he's going to be an incredible asset. He just, he's just kind of out of sorts right now. And man, Brucey needed to give him that ball to, to get Brown's confidence back up. And you could see Brown. I don't know if you saw it from where you were, Seth, but, but on the broadcast, you could see Brown visibly upset that he didn't get that cross. And I don't blame him because that was the right soccer play in my opinion. And yeah, that, that was right in front of me. And yeah, it, it, he was visibly frustrated. I think he, he turned and said something. Um, and there were a few instances where Brian had good runs and mm-hmm. it seemed like if they had gotten the ball to him, he, he would have had a really good shot at putting one in. Um, he had one there at the end where Brucey played him a ball. I think it was Brucey played a beautiful ball. Um, and Brown gets to it just a hair late. And he's basically right at the corner of the six-yard box with the goalie right there on him, and he skies it. And I'm not going to blame him for skying that one because it was a difficult play. It's just the timing just doesn't quite seem to be there with him and the other players yet. But, man, when that timing syncs up, 
it's going to be fun to watch. So, so we could have easily scored six, seven goals in this match and had more in the second half than we did the first half. If Brian's just a little bit crisper and the passes to him are just a little bit sharper. Well, you, you, you say that you say that he needs to you know, have sharper moments and there's going to, they're going to come. And he did have one of those there in the second half uh, where you played the pass out from the wide position back to uh, back to cello, who was just outside the 18 yard box and cello with absolute banger into the top right corner. I mean, uh, the, the switchbacks keeper was at, you know, full extension and there was just no hope at all of him getting that ball. The amount of bend on it and just the, the, the placement of that shot was unreal by cello. And, you know, it's a shame that that was kind of a shame that, that was a preseason goal, you know, cause that really could have been like goal of the season, you know, contender right there. Earl, you said you saw that goal, right? Yeah, so that one, and I was actually just watching that one on Facebook, too, because I'm on the United page right now. That one was just incredible. So just go to my page and watch that thing. That's a highlight. Hey, 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 hey. While you guys are talking, I try to do that, too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a, a picture goal. My opinion, though, is nine out of ten times he doesn't make that again. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it that that goal, while the most spectacular play from an individual is the least exciting goal for me projecting forward because it's not going to, it's a goal that takes a hurt. Yeah. And it's not going to happen again. Yeah. Whereas cello's first goal is great teamwork, a great cross. And if he's not there to finish it, somebody's going to be there to finish it. The second goal where Mondo taps it in, that's everybody touches the ball. A shot gets on goal. You got two guys crashing for a rebound. That's going to happen. We're going to get those cheap goals all the time. Schwartz's goal where somebody has a lapse in judgment. We're probably not going to see Schwartz just be able to bomb down the sideline very often. But it was a nice little one-two. There was some combination there that took some bit of chemistry. This one, you said Brown had a had a bright spot. And he did. I mean, it was a good pass. Uh, and it was a good chance. It was a good effort to win the ball back over there because we didn't have the ball at that point. It was played back from Colorado Springs and Brown makes a tremendous effort to get out there and take the ball away and then find cello. But, but that goal is not nearly as replicated replicable as the other three. So while it is a fantastic highlight, it doesn't get me near excited for the rest of the season as the other three. Yeah, no, I completely get that, and, and that makes a lot of sense. You know, you you definitely want more of those team goals, the ones that you, he said you can't replicate. And there were a lot of good things that came out of that match on Saturday. You know, it's a lot of good crosses, a lot of good possession, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good passes, especially in the second half. And you know, Dev had a Dev had a, had a tremendous effort there in the second half, uh, just before time time expired, and and uh, I. You know, I was extremely surprised that, that ball didn't go into the net. Um, I think if he had got it, I think like two inches lower, it would have been in easily. Um, but I mean, it, just, it was a fantastic cross. Uh, Dev got a really good head on the ball, and that that's things you want to see, especially early, uh, still early in the preseason, so to speak. You know, the vision, the the uh, the finishing ability, the the different chemistry. ways that this team can score. Yeah. The chemistry is, is definitely building and th- we looked absolutely dangerous th- from start to finish on Saturday. 
Yeah, and and what I'm what I've been excited about was you know we had a bunch of subs in the second half, and we still look super dangerous. Like subs, Brucey, Swartz, Amondo, Dev, Brown, Cello obviously scores two goals. All seven of those guys looked freaking fantastic up front and dangerous up front. And and what I loved about this one, I, I hope this carries over into the regular season. We had a 3-1 lead that got trimmed to 3-2, yes. But after it went to 3-2, aside from like a five-minute stretch there at the beginning of the second half after they scored, there were no threats whatsoever. We... Completely, we didn't park the bus, as they say. We didn't say, okay, we're going to give you the ball, but we're not going to let you score. No, we kept possession. We kept attacking. We kept getting chances. We stayed hungry. And it, it, I didn't feel like at any point we were going to give up this lead like we are notorious for doing in the first two years of existence. So I really hope that that mentality of stay on the front foot, stay attacking, keep going for goals, Let's not park the bus, but let's let's be on the front foot. Let's put this pressure on. And the best way to keep them from scoring is to not let them get possession at all anyways. And the best way to keep them from tying it up is adding another goal to the total that we have. I, I was listening to the United Sessions podcast from last week. I was listening to it last night. And they had um, Josh Lane, Alex Mansfield, at Mansfield uh, Lucas Cash, and... David Carl, and they all did predictions and hot takes. And I don't remember who it was, so I'm, I'm sorry. But one of their hot takes was we win 8 nothing. one of these matches. 8 nothing. I don't know. That's a little crazy to me. But I definitely see us scoring. You know, the most we scored in a match last year was 3. And that was, I think, twice. So I think we put up 4 or 5 multiple times for sure especially if we keep that mentality up. And that's what excites me because I think our defense is going to be just as sound. Um, so if you add, if you add goal scoring to that, then, then we're going to be in way better shape this year. You mentioned it there uh, about the goal scoring last year and that we didn't always have, you know, a persistent threat basically. And there were concerns about over how many goals we're going to score and, well, yeah, well, I agree with you that I don't think eight is gonna is gonna happen, but I definitely see us being a being a serious threat to have multiple matches throughout the season where we have you know three, four, maybe five goals at some point. Um, and it's absolutely exciting to see the see the attacking mind the attack mindedness continue, even though you know we went behind early and then they pulled one back and to see that continue throughout the end of the match. That's, that's really promising to see. And it's not something that we necessarily did the first two seasons. You know, we got that lead. We tend to just kind of slow things down and hold the ball and play possession. You know, if this is the way it's going to be all season long, I I can't wait to watch. And I, I think I don't want to read too much into a preseason, (laughs) obviously. I mean, it's, it's one preseason match. Um, it's still the middle of preseason kind of, you know, we still got two more preseason matches left. We got a month before or three weeks before our, our season opener. So there, there's a lot going on, but 
from what I've seen of from this match and a little bit of the first match that we saw a few weeks ago, it seems like Troy is willing to change his tactics inside the match, not just match to match, but inside the match ever so slightly. You mentioned with looking like Colorado Springs defenders got tired, so we started playing the ball over the top. Um, once you mentioned it and I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, yeah, duh, that's what happened because that's exactly what we started doing. That's where Brucey got that beautiful ball uh, that he should have crossed to Brown. I mean, that's how that started. So to see those things and tweak them in the match and then to keep that mentality of go, 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 as long as those things stay in, in the regular season, man, I, I think we're going to see wonderful things um, from this club, being able to get the lead, hold on to the lead, grow the league, the lead, um, and, and and finish with three points in a lot of these matches that maybe last year we finished with two, or maybe we finished with a draw or, or even a loss. Yeah, that's going to be extremely important uh, this year, making sure we pick up as many points as possible. Earl, how important do you think it is that United finds a way to pick up or let me rephrase How important do you think it is that United finds ways to come away from matches with wins rather than draws, especially given the nature of the group this year? So I think I heard what you asked. How important is it to for United to come away with wins more than draws. Yeah. Well, obviously a win is better than a draw because three points is better than one. Um, I think early in the season, though, a draw won't be as bad because it's a longer season now. So obviously 32 games compared to 16 um, or 34 games, whatever it is now. Um, you can afford the draws and the losses Earlier in the season, um, obviously you don't want to. Obviously, you don't want to see losses early in the season, but it's easier to afford a loss early in the season to where it doesn't really weigh as much going down the stretch when you're fighting and scratching for every point you can get for better positioning, better home field advantage, and stuff like that. Yeah, you make some excellent points there talking about, you know, home field advantage and things like that. Um, you know, when it comes to picking up those extra points and, you know, our group this year is especially tough. Um, which of the opponents from last year do you think we could see the most improvement from in a from a points per match perspective? I think... In a points per match, I think we score more points on El Paso compared to what we did last season. Um, I see us obviously scoring four in a preseason against Colorado Springs. Says something because it's our first four. Uh, it's our first four goal match in quite a while. I mean, I don't think we had any last season. If we did, we had one maybe. Yeah, I don't know if we had a four goal se- a four goal game last season. So if that's correct, we haven't had a four goal game since 2019. So with that, 
I see us scoring more points on obviously El Paso. Um, only because I don't like El Paso, but I do see us scoring more points, obviously on Colorado Springs. If we can carry over the uh, the four goals, possibly five goals into RGV and score five goals in RGV's team, and then take it to El Paso and score five goals on them, or even three goals in El Paso, I'd be happy with that. Um, the big thing is scoring those goals at home where it matters. So you want obviously to put on a show in front of your fans. I mean, the game is already sold out. We still have about a month, a little over a month to go and the match is sold out. Give her with the couple tickets that the club is giving out for vaccines and their vaccination push. But the game, the match is sold out. And it's sold out for the first couple games, actually. So that's where it matters is putting on a show for your fans at home so that they want to travel to Colorado. They want to travel to El Paso. Hell, they even make the trip to freaking Austin. I mean, if you're scoring those goals here at home, you can score those goals on the road and keep keep momentum. Jacob, same question for you. Which club in, in our group DC is picking up the most points against this year compared to last year? And how much, and, and to add on that, how much of an impact do you think being back at the lab makes uh, on the outcomes of these of the home matches this year? <clears throat> so if you're comparing last year to this year, it's got to be El Paso if I'm understanding the question correctly, because we kind of dominated the other two last year. So really I expect to dominate them again. I don't think we're going to sweep them three, 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 three. Um, so I think we, we perform better against El Paso this year than we did last year. And then as far as having the home home field advantage, um, I, I kind of have a hot take that we we kind of performed better on the road than at home that first year. Um, and I think, I think that that could have had something to do with the fact that the crowd just surprised everybody. And, and there was a lot of pressure on the players to, to win those matches at home in front of all those fans. Uh, and so I think this year, it's not going to be. It's not going to be that. It's going to be a lot different for a lot of reasons. One, we have a better club than we had the first year. Uh, we just have a way more talented club. And two, there the crowds aren't going to be as big. And even when if they can get to be as big, the majority of the roster here knows what it's like and how it's going to be, and can adjust to that. So, I, I think we're going to have a fantastic home record this year, especially in the group um, with with the Texas clubs and then Colorado and, and Real Monarchs. So I, I think a little bit of home cooking is just what what we needed here at, coming off of last year, being on the road and, and everything like that. So I can't, 
I can't wait to to see how they perform at home, and I can't wait to see how they handle uh, El Paso in particular. And because uh, look, El Paso is a good club. I'm not gonna not gonna talk trash because they are they are a good club. I don't like them. I don't like their fans, uh, but they are a good team on the pitch. But I think we made more improvements than they did. I think we've been pretty even in two years before this one. And so I think with our better improvements, our being able to play at home, I, I think we just kind of take it to them, especially in these home matches. All right. Well, I think that's going to just about do it for our discussion this week. Um, Earl, do you have any final thoughts on the last preseason or last week's preseason match? Uh, no, not really. I didn't really get to watch it. I will be checking out Jacob's Facebook page to get caught up. I mean, there are some parts that obviously would have been good had I gotten had I had a chance to watch it, but I had family family business going on, so I took care of that first. Um, kind of my mantra when I took over this thing was family first kind of stuck to that with myself which hurt me because obviously I'm a sports fan didn't really get a chance to watch the club that I love but this weekend is coming up and it will be different um so with that my final thought is from what I saw they looked exciting um I saw the two goals which was more than I watched all preseason against any other club so that was pretty exciting to see that. Uh, my final, final thought is stay safe out there. We are a month and two days away from a home game in New Mexico for the first time in however many months. A home game that actually counts in ever how many months. Um, don't do anything crazy. If you feel inclined, I'm sure Jacob will say the same thing. You feel inclined to get vaccinated. By all means, go right ahead. If you feel inclined to get tested, by all means, do it. Love each other. Don't hate on each other because you don't get tested, or you don't get vac- vaccinated, or you do, or you and you do the other. Wear a mask. Stay safe out there. That's all I got. All right, and of course, next up for United is going to be FC Tucson. Uh, back at Mesa del Sol this Saturday. Weather is not looking friendly at this point. So it's going to be cold and windy and potentially rainy on Saturday. And it's also worth noting that this past Saturday, the Academy played their first match ever. And they played El Paso and they ended in a nil-nil draw. Uh, but in any case, it's exciting to see the Academy kids out there playing. They have rolling subs, so, so players are going in and out. There weren't uh, The club did was live-tweeting. Uh, some information out. So hopefully we hear more about them soon. Uh, Jacob, uh, final thoughts on this past weekend's uh, preseason match. And then uh, let's get us out of here. Yeah. um, Don't really have anything else other than than the club's looking really good. Uh, The offense is looking fantastic. Uh, Kalen's been not starting the last two matches, which kind of had me worried, but we did see him out there uh, at the end of the match there this week. So, so that put my mind at ease, but I think we're shaping up really nicely. I I can't wait to be out there, even if it is bad weather next week. And, um, and then I can't wait for May 1st, uh, fighting the fighting Ron Patel's over there at RGV. And, and I think, I think it's going to be a good season. So 
this preseason match that we just saw did nothing to change my mind at that. In fact, it just reinforced what I was already thinking even more. So with that, guys, I I don't really have anything else on my mind. we, We talked about wrestling for an hour and a half and it hurt my brain. Um, then we got to talk about, uh, some United. So we'll be back next week. Like we said, hopefully I'll be out there. Uh, even if it is cold and windy and rainy, I will be out there hanging out. Um, I hope that it's not like that because my son's birthday party is next Saturday at the park in Los Lunas. So I might have to look into that and see if that's going to change. So, um, but yeah, I, I can't wait to be out there. We'll come back next week. We'll talk about about the match there against FC Tucson. We will um, probably have some season preview stuff uh, on the podcast next week, as well as on the website uh, where we can get get some written content out to you guys finally. And we'll we're going to start ramping that up real hard here as the season gets going. We're we're looking for some more writers. If you're interested, um, you know, get with us. Uh, uh, you can private message any of the accounts, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or you can reach out to just me, Seth, or Earl or, or personally uh, on our Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever and, and go from there. So until next time, we'll just be safe. Uh, let's get to where we can have more people in the pit, get vaccinated if you so desire. And uh, yeah, that's about it, guys. Until next week, Somos Sanders. You've been listening to Somos Nos, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and weekly discussions from around the world of sports. Each episode is recorded live on Tuesday nights on our YouTube channel and goes live on podcast platforms around the world later in the week. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bedoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using Zencaster and Audacity.